All right, thank you for being back here tonight, and thank you for your faithfulness. We had a great, great, great Sunday morning, and thank you for, a lot of you do a lot of work, a lot of effort, and thank you for that. And by the way, inviting people to church, it works, okay? Everywhere you go, we had that uh, a couple that came this morning, somebody in an Uber, either <coughs> they were driving or <coughs> they were being driven, told them that they should come to Pacific Baptist Church, and they came this morning and they got saved. And so just invite people everywhere all the time. And then we're looking forward this week to the ladies' fellowship. And <coughs> I encourage you, uh, every lady, to be there and have a great time. And, and men, let's make sure we help out with our wives. Um, if they want to go, uh, I was going to say watch your kids, but Brother Pineda wouldn't say watch your kids. Brother Pineda would say parent your kids, okay? Do you know, guys, that it's okay for your wife to leave the house and them to leave the kids with you? Okay, Thank, one, one guy said it, and his kids are adults, all right? So, uh, you know, look, my wife goes to the, to the ladies' conference. I, I keep a close eye on Josiah. I make sure that he is fine and everything of that nature, but uh, help the ladies out. Let's make sure that we get them there. We're going to look at this portion of Scripture tonight, <coughs> and I want to just share a few thoughts from this. Uh, we understand uh, not just from a spiritual standpoint, but also just from a secular standpoint that that the person who's in charge, the leader, is very, very, very important. The children of Israel did okay <coughs> as long as Moses was there. And then after Moses left, they had Joshua. But what happened is after Joshua died, they didn't have a, a true leader. And those that were with Joshua, once they died, this, the, the country went into apostasy. A leader is very important. Pastor used to, used to, Esposito used to give this illustration. I don't know if he gave it in church. He gave it in staff meeting. He said that <clears throat> a man was, uh, who was in charge of a group of sales uh, people, they weren't hitting their, their goals. They weren't doing real well. And the guy that was in charge had him in a meeting, and he was just railing on them. You know, you're not hitting your quote. There's something wrong with you guys. Get out there and sell. What's going on? And then he said, uh, he said, uh, 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 he had a professional football player, an ex-professional football player that was one of his salesmen. And he said, Bob, he goes, whenever a football player doesn't do their job and things aren't going well, what do they do? And he stood up and said, they fire the coach. That's what they do, okay? Leadership is important. And today we're going to look at a verse, some verses that help us with this. Spiritually speaking, we need a leader as well. <coughs> Look at Numbers. <coughs> We're not going to preach through it, but flip to Numbers for a second, please. Numbers chapter 24. I want you to see how Moses understood the importance of spiritual leadership. Numbers chapter 24 and verse number 12. Numbers 24 and verse 12. And the Lord said unto Moses, get thee up into Mount Abraham. And see the land which I have given to the children of Israel. And when thou hast seen it, thou shalt be gathered unto thy people as Aaron thy brother was gathered. For ye rebelled against my commandment in the desert of Zin, in the strife of the congregation to sanctify me at the water before their eyes. That is the water of Meribah and Kadesh in the wilderness of Zin. He's telling Moses, he had already told him, you can't see, go to the promised land because he told him to, to speak to the rock and water would come out. And Moses was irritated and he hit the rock with the stick. And God said, you disobeyed. You're not going to go into the promised land. He goes, but I'm going to let you see it. Go up to the mountaintop and I'll let you see the land, but you're not going to lead the people in. 
Look at how Moses responded in verse 15. And Moses spake unto the Lord, saying, Let the Lord, <coughs> the God of the spirits of all flesh, set a man over the congregation, which may go out before them, and which may go in before them, and which may lead them out, and which may bring them in, that the congregation of the Lord be not as sheep which have no shepherd. The first thing Moses thought when God said, you're going off the scene, he didn't think like, oh man, I'm not going to get to go. He thought, you got to have someone else to help lead these people. They need spiritual leadership. They have struggled in their, in, 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 they have struggled with that. And Moses' concern was that they would have somebody for them. Why? Moses knew that in a spiritual realm, who is in charge is important. Now we understand this. The spiritual leader we need to have in our life, the number one spiritual leader we need to have in our life is the Lord Jesus Christ. But you know he has some very serious competition for each and every one of us. You know who that competition is? It's us. We fight that. That's what I want to look like at tonight. <clears throat> if you'll look in our text, <clears throat> verse 46 of Luke chapter 6, it contains one of the most convicting verses in the whole Bible. Jesus said, and why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Jesus said, you call me your Lord. Oh, he loved Jesus. Jesus is my Lord. Jesus, I follow. He goes, then why don't you do what I tell you to do? Doesn't that just make sense? I mean, we say Jesus is our Lord. He says, why don't you follow me then? Christ is pointing out to them the connection between the things that we do in our life and our relationship to him. We can't say that we love Jesus and that we're following Jesus if we're not doing what he says. I tire of this thing people call themselves, they don't want to use the word Christian anymore as if that's a bad term. They want to call themselves Christ followers when the fact of the matter is 95% of people that call themselves Christ followers don't follow Christ. He wants us to. He wants us, he wants to really be the Lord of our life. And I know if Jesus isn't Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. That's true and it's not true. He's the Lord regardless of whether we follow him. But the question isn't, is he the Lord? The question is, is he my Lord? Do I allow him that place in my life? He is the Lord, but we can choose whether or not we follow him. So in this passage of scripture, he teaches them about his lordship and how they can allow him to be the Lord of his life. He gives a few stories and he gives a few thoughts. And I think if we look at them and tie them together, we'll see how Jesus can be our leader. Because you know what, what we need? A lot of us need to follow. We need to be like the, the, the guy in the, in the salesman meeting. We need to fire the coach. By the way, uh, <clears throat> if you follow sports, some teams, they'll fire their coach and they'll put a new coach in. And immediately the team is way better. They didn't get any new players. They didn't, they didn't get anything else. They just got someone that actually knew how to lead them in the right direction. And we're trying to follow our own path. We're trying to follow the path others are setting for us when Jesus says, hey, let me be the Lord. I am the Lord. Don't get me wrong, but, I, but if you're going to follow me, you have to decide to let me be the Lord. So I want us to see briefly tonight three steps we can take to allow Jesus Christ that place 
in our life. The first step is the step of allowance. The step of allowance. See, Jesus can only lead us if we allow him to lead us. He is, he is the Lord, but he also does not force himself upon us. If we're going to follow him, it's because we decide to follow him. If he is going to be the Lord of our life, we have to, and it doesn't say, it's almost it's like, what do you mean allow him to be the Lord? He is the Lord. No, we're allowing him that place in our life. We're not fighting him. We have to allow him. If that's going to happen, I see in the verses there's a couple of weaknesses that keep us from following him. Look at verse 39. First, we need to reject blindness. Verse 39, and he spake a parable unto them. <coughs> Can the blind lead the blind? Shall they not both fall into a ditch? By the way, it's amazing how many phrases we use in our, in our language that come from the Bible, right? How many say, oh, the blind are leading the blind? I know, and where's that going to take you? You need someone that can see the future and see what's best and see the direction to take. And Jesus said, if, we are, if we're following someone who is blind, you're going to fall into a ditch. Let me ask you this. Who helps you make the decisions in your life? Who helps you plot the direction or the course you're going to take in life? Because if they're not the Lord, they can't guarantee anything. I don't know a lot of people that know the future. In fact, I don't know any. But I know God knows the future. I don't know who knows what's best, but I know God knows what's best. And so we have to reject the blindness. The Bible makes it very clear that we are sheep. Isaiah 53 verse 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Isn't that how we are? And if we're like that, look, you ever see these animals that get slaughtered? They just blindly, oh, hey, look at the line. Let's just follow the line. They don't know they're headed right, getting their, 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 their throat slit or their head cut off. And they, oh, hey, let's just go. We're sheep. That's not very flattering. And because we're sheep and we don't know very much, we have a tendency to go our own way. All of us without the Lord are blind spiritually. But you know God has given us a light to show us the way. That light is in his word. We mentioned that this morning in Psalm chapter 119, verse 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. God's word shines direct light on what we should do in any situation, where we should go, how we should live our day, all the little the decisions we make in life. In verse 130 of the same chapter, he says, The entrance of thy words giveth light. It giveth understanding unto the simple. You see, if we're trying to figure things out ourselves without God's word, we just don't understand it. We're simple, right? If you've been in Proverbs class, there's the wise man. He seeks to learn God's word and make them a part of his life. There's the foolish man. He defies and ignores God's word. And then in the middle, there's the simple man. He could go either way. He just doesn't know. But if, he, if, if all of us who are at one time simple, I hope you're headed on the road to being wise, if we look at it, we follow God's word, we're going to have light, and it helps us to make the right decisions. All of us need to follow Jesus Christ if we're going to go the right direction. 1 Timothy 1.6 warns, From which some, having swerved, have turned aside unto vain jingling. See, whenever we get away from God's word, we're going to get off the right path. We're not going to see the bends in the road. We're not going to see the, the detours. We're not going to see the debris that can cause us to be messed up. 
But you know what we want? We want someone that will just rubber stamp what we want to do. That's our problem. We want to hear people that will tell us something that we like to hear, not necessarily what we need to hear. 2 Timothy chapter 4, and this is describing (coughs) the end times. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. By the way, we're there. Maybe you don't keep up with it, I do. We're there. Sound doctrine's out the window. But after their own lusts shall they heap unto themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned into fables. By the way, go ahead. You can turn these guys on the radio, you can watch these these people on television, and most of them are, are just out for your money. I remember as a new Christian, I wanted to hear preaching, and I wanted to hear teaching. I'd listen to these guys on the radio, and I'd watch some of these guys on television, and it didn't take me long. It was like, there's something wrong here. I used to listen to a guy, uh, uh, Frederick Price. He had this church in Los Angeles, and he was real, you know, kind of a man's man, and, and, he was, and, and then I'm like, wait a minute, his doctrine is wrong. Everybody should be rich. Nobody should ever get sick. And I hear the guys say that, they're wearing glasses. Now think about that for a minute. Jesus wants you to be healthy, let me get my glasses and read the scripture to you. And I'm thinking, okay, well, you know. But there's false doctrine everywhere. You know, (coughs) I used to listen uh, years ago. (coughs) I'd be at work and they let us have radios and I'd listen to Focus on the Family. It was a conservative family thing. This is probably 30-something years ago. And I heard the founder on the show say this. He's, he, was, he, was taught, he was this impassioned plea about his son living for God. And he told his son, I want you to, I want you to meet me in heaven when I, when I die. And, and he's like, his son says, so what do I got to do, get baptized? And he said, that's a good start. And I'm like, wait a minute, time out, that's false doctrine. Do the right thing. He goes, that's a good start. That has nothing to do with salvation. It's pretty simple. You trust Christ as your Savior. And so it's everywhere, but what we do nowadays, we're listening for someone that will just tickle our ears. We're going to talk about the love of God, and we'll talk about the love of God. We're going to talk about how wonderful the Bible is. It's wonderful, but read it, man. There's things in there to ask you to do. And we're listening to all this stuff because we want our ears tickled. <coughs> False teachers are everywhere. And it's not just doctrinally false, but it's morally false. I heard a phrase many years ago, and I've repeated it here. A man's morality will dictate his theology. Right? What we believe about God is based on how we want to live. It should be the other way. I think I mentioned it in Sunday school class. Shouldn't it be the opposite? When I came to Christ and I started living for the Lord, I didn't say, okay, how do I, how do I wedge what, how I want to live into what the Bible says? I didn't do that. I found out what the Bible says and I tried to conform my life to that. And let me say this. <coughs> I don't know if I think I mentioned the college. There's a, there's, a, there's a horrible movie that just came out. It's allegedly a Christian movie. Don't watch it. It's, a, it's, it's about the Jesus people. How many of you heard about that? It's about a guy named Lonnie Frisbee. Lonnie Frisbee is the one who helped get Calvary Chapel off the ground. He is the father of the contemporary music uh, 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 movement in Christian churches. 
Calvary Chapel was nothing until he got in there. They started reaching all these, all these this is in the late 60s, early 70s, all these Jesus people. And all these surfers and all these people like that. But they were telling people, you just come to Christ and keep your immorality, keep your drug use. But let me tell you about Lonnie Frisbee. I've seen his, I've seen his life history several years ago. John showed it to me. He was a homosexual. He was a drug user. This is while he was preaching in their churches. He would party late Saturday night doing drugs, sleeping with men while he was married to a girl. And they knew this. He was the genesis of that whole thing. And the whole Jesus movement, all this music that swept in. And now they're going to make a movie and glorify his life and what he did for Christ in those days. Can I just tell you something? There was none of God in that. None. Well, look at all these people that came to church. I know. They didn't even ask them. They didn't even ask them, uh, you know, come as you are and stay as you were. That's not the gospel. The gospel is you come as you are, you trust Christ, and he changes you from what you were. So we have to be very careful. God wants us to have a change in our life. Let's not follow the blind, which is typically what we do. I know, by the way, if you want to live your own way and still claim to be a Christian, there are plenty of people out there who will rubber stamp it. But can I just tell you something? Not here. I will stand before God for what I say. I will not stand before God for what you live. But I'm not going to stand before God and say that it's okay to live like the devil just because you're saved. Because the Bible teaches us the opposite. It wasn't going to be a long message. We're starting to spiral out of control here. But can I just tell you something? That's ruining Christianity today. And I guarantee you that movie's going to come back to, 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 to bite us. The homosexual jump all over and say, well, your movement was, your movement was founded on a, on a bisexual. Are we that, are we that, well, I just want a moving of God again. I don't think that was a movement of God. How do you know that, pastor? I read the Bible. By the way, I'll just throw this out. I don't think what's happening in Ashbury is a movement of God. How many of you heard about that revival? There's, there's no preaching. They have homosexuals leading worship. What is going on with us? We're talking to Joseph. Someone put on there, well, I'd rather have strange fire than no fire. Okay, time out, time out. A pastor put that online. Do you, I don't know, John, I just, maybe I'm messed up because I read the Bible. I recently read about strange fire. fire. Nadab, Nadab and Abihu. You know what God did when they offered strange fire? God killed them instantly. And here we are saying, I'd rather have false fire than no fire. Why do we have to choose? I'd rather have God's fire. God's fire comes through the word of God. And I know we talk a lot about revival. And I would wish, and I would have hoped that was legitimate. It would have been legitimate if the same people that were in that room day and night would have got out and preached the gospel to other people. And by the way, if it is a revival, that college is going to have to change its rule book because it's got a lot of non-biblical rules. That won't happen. So you know what I'm going to do while I'm waiting for revival? This isn't the message, but it's okay. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do the things that revival brings. I'm going to preach the truth, and we're going to live the truth, and we're going to go out and try to reach this world for Christ and see people get saved and see them get baptized and see people's life change. That's what revival does. And it may not be thousands of people, but it can be a handful of people here and a handful of people there. I'll take that. 
over some nonsense that every Christian who is as gullible as a $3 bill takes. Oh, it's revival. I just want it to happen. That's nonsense. Back to our regularly scheduled message. Let's just follow the truth. I really want God to do something. <clears throat> I don't want what's false. It's a blind leading the blind. I don't know where we got off on that, but it's all good. <coughs> Secondly, <coughs> we're going to, if we're going to uh, invite there, we have to receive Christ. We reject blindness and we receive Christ. He says you can't let the blind lead the blind. He says in verse 40, the disciple is not above his master. In other words, if the blind's leading the blind and the blind is your leader, you're not above him. You're falling into a ditch. But he says, but everyone that is perfect, mature shall be as his master. Who's our master? Jesus Christ. Being like Jesus is a good thing. God wants us to be like him. You know it, parents. You have, you have little ones, they see the things you do, and don't they try to imitate you? By the way, that's kind of scary sometimes. It's like, you know, I'm kind of hoping my kids will be better than me, right? But they, they, they naturally do that when they're younger. <coughs> we ought to be like the Lord Jesus Christ. I could spend a lot of time on it, but, but I won't. We already understand how wonderful he is. Let's be like Christ. Secondly, <coughs> the step of allowance is first. Secondly, there's a step of alleviation. Of alleviation. In other words, <coughs> if we have to allow Christ, Christ to be the Lord of our life, we ought to allow him to be in charge, and then we have to alleviate, get rid of the things that would keep us from being like that. Those two always go together, by the way. Whenever you decide there's something good you want to be, there's something you have to fight to make sure you can do the good you want to do. And you know what the greatest problem we have? It is <coughs> pride. I read a story. <coughs> I don't know if it's true, but uh, there was a young preacher, and he took over a church, and he was called to be the pastor, and he was so proud to be the pastor. Not, not happy. I mean, I'm talking about pride kicked in. And that first Sunday, he got up there to preach, and he strutted up the stair, and he strutted into the pulpit like, ah, oh, it's my church. And he started to preach, and he read the scripture, and he couldn't think of anything to say. And he fumbled around for a few minutes. By the way, God has a way of humbling us, amen? And he started fumbling <coughs> around, and, and he was confused. And after five minutes of not saying anything, he was embarrassed, and he, in humiliation, went down the stairs and went and sat down. A wise man in his church came up to him and said this, if you would have walked up like you walked down, then you would have walked down like you walked up. If he'd have been humble when he went up, it all would have been good. Hum humility. Because we're proud as all get out. And I say we as in <coughs> us. We all think we know what's best. How do we know if we're proud? Well, <coughs> think about it this way. Ask yourself this. Are you critical? Look at verse 41. And, these are all kind of tied together. I think they're all the same, trying to get to the same place. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but perceivest not the beam that's in thine own eye? Either how canst I say to thy brother, Brother, let me pull out the mote that is in thine eye, <coughs> when thou thyself beholdest not the beam that's in thine own eye? Thou hypocrite, cast out first the beam that's in thine own eye, and thou shalt see clearly to pull out the might, the mote that's in thy brother's eye. You see what he's saying? 
He said, man, you're looking at your brother and he's got a little, a little speck in his eye. You've got a big piece of wood in your eye. I remember when we were building the auditorium in here, uh, I, I was making the headers for the doors and we were using the metal studs and, and I was drilling on them and I didn't have glasses on. And I put the electric drill in a little piece of metal, like a little spear, it shot up. It was almost like slow motion. I was looking right at it. It just came straight up, caught right in the white of my eye. And I was like, ah. I'm like, don't close your eye. Don't close your eye. And I ran over here and I'm like, Albert, there's a piece of metal in my eye. I'm like, pull that thing out, man. And he did something and it fell out and it wasn't too deep, so it was okay. Guess what I started wearing? Goggles. I thought, man, goggles are a good thing. Okay? I could have sued the church. I got a lot of money there. But I had that little piece in my eye. It wasn't that big. It was painful. And so what happens is we look at other people, they got some small little problem, and we're more concerned about them, and we don't realize we got some big whomping problem. Right? You know, how much, you know how easy it is to be critical of others instead of looking at the faults in our life? And by the way, if we don't realize there's faults in our life, why would we go to Christ for him to lead us anyhow? Oh, look at all these other people. Pride. Let's not be critical. Also, he asks us another question. Are you, are you corrupt? Look at verse 41, 43. For a tree bringeth forth not corrupt fruit, <coughs> a good tree bringeth forth not corrupt fruit, neither doth a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. For every tree is known by its what? Own fruit. For of thorns do man do not gather figs, nor of bramble bush do they gather grapes. You want to know if you, need, if you need a change in who's directing your life? Look at the fruit of your life. A good tree doesn't bring forth rotten fruit. A rotten tree brings forth rotten fruit. God wants us to continue to grow. See, God's trying to get our attention. We're more concerned about looking at others and being critical of them instead of looking to see if we have corrupt fruit in our life. That's why all this nonsense, it doesn't matter what you're like on the outside as long as you got Jesus on the inside. What a bunch of baloney. That's the nicest thing I can say. That's garbage. Like, I'm a good person on the inside while I cuss you out on the outside. I act like a jerk on the outside. I act like a non-Christian on the outside, but Jesus has all of me on the inside. Jesus got none of you. Because you know what all that outside stuff is? It's fruit. Haven't we been learning the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, and the ones we haven't got to yet. Okay? It's all the fruit of the Spirit. And so <coughs> we need to watch what's going on in our own life. And then lastly, there's the step of allegiance. Allegiance. The allegiance comes by willingly submitting myself to the Lord. And how do I do that? It's very simple. You submit yourself to his word. Look at verse 46. We know this story well. I will not spend much time on it. He says, <coughs> and why call you me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Then he's going to give us a picture of that. Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them, I will show you to whom he is like. He is like a man which built a house and dig deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently upon that house and could not shake it, for it was founded on a rock. 
He said, if you listen to what I say, here's what you are. You're a man and you're building a house and you understand the, self, the, the, the foundation and you build it on a rock. And a storm will come and the house will stand. But then he gives the opposite. But he that heareth and doeth not. Oh, pastor, I come to church. I listen. I read my Bible every day. Okay. <clears throat> what about that second part? And doeth not. Are you looking to find out what God's word says so you can do it? You say, well, I just like to hear it. Okay, well, let's see what you're like. It's like a man that built without a foundation, built a house upon the sand, the, upon the earth, or the sand as it says in the other, against which the stream did beat vehemently, <coughs> and immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house is great. Nobody in their right mind would build a house without a foundation. You've got to be kidding me. That house can look great, but as soon as the first wind comes, it's out of here, right? It's gone. It's going to fall down, and the storm's coming. That's a person that hears the word of God, knows what it says, but is not committed to doing it. So what do we have to do? We have to submit. We have to submit. That's the whole point of this story is our response to God's word. <clears throat> now let's make it practical. How do you respond to it? Most of us hear something and say, you know what? I agree with that. I'm in. But sometimes we hear something that's like, you know, that kind of goes against what I'm doing or how my life is going, and so we're like, I'll pass on that one. Hey, can I just tell you something? This isn't a cafeteria. This isn't a buffet. You walk by and say, hey, uh, chicken, steak, I'm in. Fish, I'm out. <laughs> right? Mashed potatoes and gravy. I'm in. Vegetables. It depends on which ones. We just, I'll pick this, I'll take that. I don't like that. And that's fine at a buffet. It's not fine spiritually speaking. Jesus dictates the meal and the ingredients. And we're supposed to be all in. <clears throat> there has to be submission. He gives us his word, but we have to decide to follow his word. He won't force us. And then there's got to be stability. There's got to be stability. When you're building a building, the most important, we understand the most important thing is this, the foundation. And if you've laid the foundation wrong, the building is weak. That's very important. He tells us in 1 Corinthians that the foundation we need is Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. You can avoid the tragedy of destruction, right? We've all heard stories of people in storms and they lose their home. And that's very tragic, right? They, they, uh, whether it's a hurricane <coughs> or an earthquake, they had the big earthquake in Turkey, all those different things, and they lose their home and they lose everything, and you see the people and they're like, you know, all that's important is we're safe and sound, but we've lost everything. They can rebuild that stuff. But what a tragedy when we lose our house and we lose everything we have spiritually. That's a destruction you can rebuild from, but it may not be as strong as it used to be, and there may be a lot of scars along the path. So why don't we just do what he says? May we propose to be the kind of Christian that does what he says and not just hear it. Let's not be like James. He says, be ye a doer of the word and not a hearer only, deceiving your own selves. If you think, and I'm glad you're here, by the way, and I think you ought to be here every service, and, and you guys do, right? If you think you're okay just because you, but just because you come to a church service, you're mistaken. It's a good start. 
but you're, you're doing well when you come and you learn from the Word of God and you go home and you read the Word of God and you're like, I'm committed to what it says. That's where the blessing comes. And we talked about that this morning. So there are plenty of Christians who are going to choose to live the life the way they choose. Or they'll choose to live their life based on what the world is telling them. They'll choose to live their life based on a certain way they want to live. But what about the Lord Jesus Christ? He says, you call me Lord, Lord, and you do not the things I do. Jesus Christ is the Lord of your life to the extent that you do what he says. Well, I'll follow Jesus 10%, then you're 10% there. And as we mentioned this morning, he doesn't want 10%. You know what he wants? All of it. All of it. Let's just shoot for that. Oh, but I fall short every now and then. You know what you do when you fall short? Get up and go, go for it. Get up, get forgiveness, and say, I'm back on track. Let's follow him wholeheartedly. You know what some of us need to do tonight? We need to fire our coach. We need to, what is, what is leading your life? What is, what is guiding your life? Who has that place in your life? If it's anybody other than the Lord Jesus Christ, then you need to, you need, you need to get the hatchet out and get rid of them. Well, that sounded violent, didn't it? <laughs> you can just fire him. Let him be the Lord of your life. He's already the Lord. He just wants you to understand that and follow him. Let's all bow our head and close our eyes just for a minute, please, if we may. Every head bowed and every eye closed just for a minute. <coughs> Who are you allowing to be the Lord? <coughs> you may have a Jesus bumper sticker. You may have a Jesus Bible cover, and I'm, I'm not against that. Of course, unless you don't drive very well. But is he really? In practical, you know you know in your heart when you get up each day, is your goal to live for God and just follow him and be the best Christian you can and live the scriptures? Is that really the desire of your heart? If not, why don't we make it the desire of our heart? Why don't we be ready each and every day <coughs> to fight and rebuke the things that will come our way that will try to cause us to take control, maybe push Jesus to the side? Let's let him be Lord. Are you calling him Lord, Lord today? Well, if you do, then let me ask you this. Are you doing the things that he said? Is that the desire of your heart? Is that the direction of your life? Is that what you're dedicated to? If not, maybe we need to, to recalibrate this evening. <coughs> the piano's gonna play. God spoke to you tonight, why don't you come? You know, we're looking for revival, and revival starts individually. We may not ever have a revival of thousands and thousands, but I can tell you something, I can have revival in my heart, and you can have revival in your heart. The altar's open. Why don't you come? Why don't you come?